Before we dive in, I want to mention that if you want someone to pray with you over the phone about anything, uh, just text the word uh, prayer to the number below. Text the word prayer and someone from our prayer team will be happy to get in touch with you. I'm honored that you're with us today for this message in our Problem of God series. Uh, if you missed the first three, you can go back and listen at eaglemont.church. There's also in the description below a link you can click on if you want to take notes today. And there's a PDF there uh, that you can uh, use. You'll see some token uh, keep you with me blanks there as we go through this talk today. Uh, today we're addressing one of the most common challenges to Christianity, the problem of evil and suffering. If you're a skeptic, way to go for engaging today. Maybe you're a seeker who's trying to connect the dots on who Jesus is, but this question uh, plagues you and uh, somehow keeps you stuck. Maybe for you, you're someone who has chosen to not believe because of the evil and suffering you see in, in the world. Uh, I, I do want to kindly point out that that itself as well is a, is a belief system that you, that you have. Maybe you're someone who says, I just don't know. Uh, you could have grown up with the teaching of the Bible in your home and over time you heard some things that led you away from Christianity and maybe you claim now to be enlightened. Well, wherever you're at, I want to commend you for engaging with this topic today. As, as Christians, we haven't always done a good job at responding to legitimate questions. And that's on us because there are answers. We can't stop at, we'll just believe. Uh, of course, yes, there's, there's something powerful about faith. It's, it's real. And when you put your faith in a powerful God, it's powerful. But, but following Jesus doesn't require us to check our brains at the door. The problem of evil and suffering has been expressed over the centuries, even going back to 300 years before Christ with the Greek philosopher Epicurus, uh, this way. If God wants to prevent evil but can't, he may be loving, but he's not all-powerful. If God could prevent evil and suffering but won't, then he's not all-loving. So atheists uh, land at a position that says, if an all-loving, all-powerful God exists, then evil and suffering should not. But evil and suffering do exist, therefore, uh, a, a loving God does not. Well, the burden of proof is, is actually on the atheist here, but they've consistently come up lacking. Christian philosophy professor Dr. William Lane Craig says, as many other uh, reputable philosophers do, that this idea has simply not held up, th th that uh, evil and suffering and a loving and powerful God cannot simultaneously exist. Craig says, For, from a philosophical standpoint, these two ideas can be proven to be compatible with one another. Pastor Joel mentioned William Lane Craig last Sunday, and he certainly does have helpful resources on this topic and other, uh, other challenges to Christianity. I would encourage you to check out the website of his, uh, reasonablefaith.org, reasonablefaith.org. As we begin, I want to say that, that this is not merely an intellectual issue or argument. It's a very personal one, because we all experience suffering. Some of you have experienced great pain in your family growing up, or uh, you're going through something right now that makes you ask, how can a loving and powerful God actually exist? 
My friends, God cares about what you're going through and he loves you deeply. I say that confidently today. Hold on to that truth as we uh, walk through this discussion today. Maybe you've been to countries as I have and you've seen children starving or you've watched the same news I have and seen uh, families and cities wiped out by tsunamis. How, how can we make sense out of people that are just enjoying a night out at the movies or at a German Christmas market and they're massacred by someone with a, with a gun or, or a big truck? If you've ever sat with uh, grieving parents who've lost a child, you, you know the difficult questions. Almost seven years ago, Evan and Shelley, genuine Christ followers who were a part of our church family at the time, and I got permission to share this, parents of two great young adult kids, one afternoon received a phone call that no parent ever wants to receive. The tragic news that their 21-year-old daughter, Stephanie, who was driving to their place to visit them, was killed as she crossed Highway 21, very close to her parents' home. Miriam and I sat in their living room uh, along with other caring people and we, we, we cried and we, and we prayed and we cried and we prayed. Questions about an all-loving and all-powerful God naturally come to mind at a time like that. And yet, how is it possible that Evan and Shelley, to this day, love and follow the God of the Bible and know Him in His unconditional love and grace? That, that may not make sense to some of you, but it's because they've opened their heart and experienced God's miraculous love and sustaining power in the midst of their deepest pain. And they also know that Jesus stepped into their pain by going to the cross for them. You see, for some people, pain and suffering causes them to begin to see how temporary this physical world and life is and, and, and that they can embrace a supernatural God who wants a personal and eternal relationship with them. My, my point here is that not everyone who faces pain and suffering immediately doubts that there's a loving God. And yet, I recognize, of course, for many that this is a, a stumbling block to faith. We need to remember that this is not just a question also that only Christians or Christianity has to answer. Every worldview, every belief system has to deal with it. And so as a skeptic, I ask you, how do you logically think through this question? As I mentioned, atheism deals with the problem by simply nixing God from the picture, saying evil and suffering exist, so God cannot. New Age religions and philosophy simply deny that evil and suffering exist. It's pretty easy. Okay. In, in other words, for them, it's positive thinking defeats negative reality. Just, just think positive. If you, if you acknowledge or admit to experiencing suffering, it impedes your path to where you're going, to, to nirvana or, or enlightenment. You may have heard someone say something like, I have cancer, but don't use the C word because it gives it power. Not realizing that that statement itself is actually rooted in New Age thinking. Hinduism embraces something called karma, namely that suffering should not be interfered with because karma says you get what you deserve. And if you don't suffer now for it, you're going to in a future life, so you might as well let it continue to happen now. What a sad reality. 
Our glib statements like what goes around comes around are actually rooted in this Eastern philosophy. And in contrast to karma, again, that says you get what you deserve, the gospel is beautiful because it says we get what we don't deserve, God's grace, God's forgiveness. And in his mercy, we don't get what we actually do deserve, and that is God's judgment for sin because Jesus stepped in and took that upon himself on the cross. So we go free eternally. It's beautiful. You know, the Bible doesn't try to hide or downplay the reality of suffering in this world. Think of David in the Old Testament, shepherd boy turned king. Uh, He was very honest often about his troubles. And in Psalm 40, verse 12, he says, innumerable evils have surrounded me. And David had some very tough questions for God. And God was and is big enough to handle those questions, by the way. New Testament writers, they're very honest uh, about their suffering and they write uh, openly about it, but they always talk about this loving God who is there, who strengthens them in every situation that they find themselves in and gives purpose to their pain and, and redeems it for greater good. So there's four discussion points I want us to touch on uh, today. First of all, evil and suffering and God's existence. Pastor Joel gave some good teaching about this last Sunday, but it's an important part of this discussion as well. You see, atheism uh, makes a great deal of assumptions when it says, because evil and suffering exist, a powerful and loving God cannot. One of the greatest living uh, philosophers, Alvin Plantinga, simply says, atheists must provide proof of this, provide some proof of why that is. One assumption that's problematic for the atheist uh, comes through in atheist philosopher J.L. Mackey's statement when he says, there are no limits to what an omnipotent thing can do. Omnipotent means all-powerful. So he's saying that the creator, the Christian version of God, uh, he's saying that the Christian God should be able to create a world without evil and suffering. Seems reasonable, but that's an assumption. And and there's a flaw in Mackey's assumption right from the start. There are, in fact, limits to what an all-powerful God can do. God cannot do things that are against his character. He cannot do things that are against logic. And and don't equate uh, logic, as I'm using the word, with an absence of miracles. That's, That's another discussion. But God cannot make a square without corners. God cannot make a rock so big and heavy that he cannot lift it. God cannot make two plus two equal five. In these examples, I'm simply wanting to point out that the atheist's assumption about what God can and cannot do does not hold up, especially in the conversation about free will to human beings that he gave to human beings, which we'll talk about in a moment. So back to the point of evil and suffering and God's existence. Many philosophers have pointed out that our our very awareness of the existence of evil actually points logically toward the existence of God and not away from it. Here's the argument. The minute an atheist identifies an act as evil, what have they done? They've admitted that there's a category that requires moral judgment. So, where does that come from, Uh, that moral judgment? Is that random? So a fair question for the atheist is, how did you arrive at the place 
of being able to make the judgment that something is evil. Because if, if God does not exist, there can be no such category, actually. Because, uh, because who says that your subjective definition of evil, based on your feelings on a particular day, even based on cultural consensus or whatever, how can you say that's right and someone else's is wrong? The, the point is, there is an objective moral standard that is imprinted on our hearts by a moral supreme being. My atheist friends, it's not a strong argument to say that humans arrived at the place of being able to say that uh, something is evil or wrong as a result of the evolutionary process. Mark Clark points out in his book, The Problem of God, that we're using with his permission in this series and for this series, he says that this very thing even caused Charles Darwin concern about his ideas. Darwin admitted that if his evolutionary theory was true, he probably could not trust it because it was the conclusion of an animal just trying to survive. Darwin wrote this, who can trust the convictions of a monkey's mind? <laughs> very honest of him. Believing in evolution means that so-called evil is, is merely survival of the fittest, or, or nature taking its course. Uh, because by evolutionary and humanistic uh, philosophy, we're merely animals and there's no supreme moral standard whereby we can actually say that anything is wrong or that shooting a bunch of people is wrong. If naturalism is the way we interpret reality, what's more natural in the animal kingdom than violence? I mean, have you ever seen Nature is Metal on Instagram? Um, if you really believe the naturalistic philosophy, violence shouldn't bother you. In an article uh, entitled, If God, Why Suffering?, Dr. Vince Vitell of Ravi Zacharias Ministry wrote about atheist um, Richard Dawkins being asked a question about the implications of his naturalistic worldview. Uh, the interviewer said, ultimately, to, he's, the interviewer said this to atheist uh, Richard Dawkins, ultimately, your belief that rape is wrong is as arbitrary as the fact that we've evolved five fingers rather than six. Dar or Dawkins, rather, honestly responded, you could say that, yeah. Huh, very honest of him. There is an objective moral standard that determines that something is wrong or evil. It's why we all have that sense within us, if we're honest enough to admit it. And Christians argue that this objective moral standard is the loving God and creator of the universe. Secondly, let's talk about the origin of evil and suffering. That's the crux of the issue, I think. Where did it come from? Why is it here? And here I, I, I wanna ask you to think about love. Virtually everyone values love. And of course, love is at the core of who the God of the Bible is and of, of what he wants for relationship between him, and, uh, between, uh, between him and us as his human creation. So this takes us to the early chapters of Genesis. For those that uh, are, are not familiar with the Bible, the very first book of the Bible where we read about God's creation and our very first human parents being created and placed by God into an absolutely perfect world called the Garden of Eden. But sadly, they chose to reject God's loving instructions and to do their own thing, which is a, a nice way of describing sin. And to this day, we see the tragic outcomes 
of that sinful and selfish, uh, selfish choice of Adam and Eve. We see it in our hearts, we see it in our lives and in our world. And, and by the way, a, a world that God created completely flawless, without evil, without suffering. But when Adam and Eve sinned, humanity's relationship with God was immediately broken. God's perfect world was fractured. Why did God allow that? The, the original sinful choice is referred to as the fall by theologians. And, and, and everything, everything fell. Instantly, there was something called shame. Uh, relationships were fractured, including our relationship with God. Our bodies began to decay and experience health issues. Weather patterns went crazy. Uh, the, the way God created things to function was thrown off at every level by our first human parents choosing to reject God's loving guidance. And, and they knew, by the way, they knew what the outcome would be of, that, of a choice like that. God had made it clear to them. Romans 8 talks about this. The writer is Paul, formerly a, an adversary of Christianity, but met Jesus and, and came to personal faith in Christ. And he adds insight about the condition of the world after the fall. In Romans 8, 20 to 22, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. And, and again, God had warned Adam and Eve about what, what that would look like if they disregarded his loving guidance. Uh, Paul continues, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. He's talking of the brokenness that we do see in our world. Fascinating and insightful words from the New Testament. Again, describing the outcomes of Adam and Eve's first sinful act. So that begs the question, why didn't God create Adam and Eve so they would not have the ability to sin and mess everything up? Well, let's go back to the point about love. Love is only true love when the person has free choice to love or not. Silly little illustration. Guys, think back to high school. Think about that cute and popular girl back in senior high that you tried, you tried to get her attention. You tried to make her like you, and yet no matter what you did, she did not. She did not want to be seen with you. Now, just, just please go with me on this. What if there was a way uh, that you could have, and I hate to use this word really, but what if there was a way that you could have magically made her like you and magically made her want to be your girlfriend against what would have been her own free choice? I know, it's a bad plot for a very bad teen movie, but stay with me here. If you could have somehow done that, it would have felt pretty empty, right? Because you would have known that it wasn't her choice and, and therefore not a genuine relationship. And who would want that? Now, you might have got some mileage out of it though, walking hand in hand down the hallway and making the guys from the football team jealous. Yeah, that's worth something. But, uh, but again, you, you, you would have known it wasn't a true relationship. But what if all on her own, she realized what, great, what a great guy you were and, and, and she, out of her own free choice, began to really like you and wanted to spend time with you? Uh, that, that genuine relationship, that would, be, that would change everything. That would be totally different. Well, 
in a similar way, from the very beginning, God did not want anything less than a genuine relationship with his human creation. God didn't, didn't want to create robots uh, with pre-programmed love response to him that, that were, you know, where we had no choice. Here's the paradox. The paradox of our God-given freedom is that with the ability to give genuine love also comes the ability for hatred, hurt, and harm. And you can't get rid of the ugly side of that equation without losing the beauty of the freedom to choose love and good. Yes, there, there was risk. We certainly know that. But God values genuine relationship that much. Thirdly, let's talk about meaning in suffering briefly. If, if, if we're merely products of natural selection, then our suffering is meaningless, which makes it even more painful. But if we're created by a loving God in his image to reflect his love to others, then as scripture teaches, uh, uh, suffering and pain can help us become more like Jesus in our character and thus be more loving toward others in their pain, which in turn helps to bring meaning to our suffering. Uh, author Malcolm Gladwell identifies a phenomenon that he calls the advantage of disadvantage as he looked at a large group of very successful businessmen and observed that many of them had been diagnosed with a learning disability. Gladwell gave insight and said, there are two possible interpretations for this as to why they were successful. One is that these people triumphed in spite of their disability. In other words, they were so smart, so creative that, that nothing, not even a lifetime of, of struggling with reading, uh, could stop them. The second, more intriguing possibility, is that they succeeded in part because of their disorder. And they learned something, he said, they learned something in their struggle that proved to be of enormous advantage. Very interesting. God's clearly stated will for us as Christ followers is that we be conformed into the image of his son, Romans 8, 29. He wants us to become more like Jesus in our character and in our love. And our compassion for others grows when we experience suffering ourselves. And many of you know this from your own life. It's one of the ways that God redeems suffering in our lives to, to bring hope and strength to others. Again, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, God is our source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. How powerful. Lastly, let's talk about a truth that is really the game changer. And it's that Jesus entered into our suffering. Jesus entered into our suffering. He knows pain. He knows suffering. You see, the God of Christianity does not watch from afar as the gods of many other religions do. The good news of the gospel is that God lovingly came in Jesus Christ to walk with us through our pain and our suffering. That's the experience of Evan and Shelley that I talked about earlier. Of course they asked the why question. Who wouldn't? And, and they understandably say that there's not a day that goes by that they don't think of Stephanie and miss her deeply. But they also know that Jesus stepped into their pain to show them his love by dying on the cross and by rising from the dead to prove that he defeated death, suffering, and sin. Evan and Shelley know a God who's willing to die for them so he could redeem 
and, and reshape and, and rescue their broken hearts and lives for an eternal existence with him. And for meaningful, still, out of their pain, meaningful uh, life here and now. God does not ignore our pain. He came down into it. Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh and came to earth to deal with the pain and suffering that original sin brought into the world and into our hearts and lives. Romans 5, again, same writer, Paul, uh, puts it this way. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. For since, verse 10, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we could rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. My friend, the God of Christianity who embraced suffering wants to embrace you in yours. If you're a Christ follower who's experiencing pain in life or there's something from your past that is still painful for you, I want to remind you of what you know, that God cares and he's there and he's able to lift you to the place where you, 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 you won't be crushed by that pain anymore. Today I pray that that will happen for you. If you're not a Christ follower and there's pain in your life, I encourage, invite you and encourage you to give your broken heart to God today. Jesus took the penalty of our sin upon himself so we could live in relationship with our creator in this broken world and forever with him in heaven, which is beyond anything that we can imagine. And so I, asked, I ask you, what's keeping you from surrendering your life to God and, and becoming a Christ follower? What's keeping you from expressing your trust and faith in God for his salvation and to receive his gift of eternal life? I want you to hear words from a little New Testament letter called Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so no one can boast. In other words, it's not on us. It's not on you to be good enough, to do enough good, uh, to, to, to earn your way into God's eternal family. No, it's offered as a free gift, gift of his grace, his undeserved favor towards you and I. If you want to trust Jesus today as the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life, I invite you to pray with me now. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much. Thank you, Jesus, for stepping in and suffering on the cross for me so that I could live in a relationship with my creator beginning today and forevermore. Thank you for your grace. I want to surrender my life to you. I invite you and ask you to be the forgiver of my sin. Help me to turn from it and turn to follow you. Be the leader of my life, oh God. From this day forward, I know that I'm in your eternal family by your grace. And thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, way to go. 
if you chose to trust Jesus today uh, and commit, commit your life to him, we, we would love to hear about that. Please let us know so that we can uh, be excited with you and, and, and help you in any way that you, you might feel is, is helpful. You can click on the link in the description to let us know uh, by, and you can fill out a, a brief form that's there or you can simply text the word Jesus to the, uh, the cell number that you see there and, and you'll get an automated response that'll allow us to, to, uh, to have the opportunity to come alongside and encourage you and give you some resources as you begin uh, your relationship with God today. So excited, way to go. I hope that you'll all join with us next Sunday, uh, Mother's Day, as we address the topic, uh, the problem of the Bible. Have an awesome day.